0: It is now four days since the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade. There has been a flurry of commentary. You may recall that my show had already aired by the time the decision came down on Friday. I was on an airplane. I rushed to the studio right after I landed and gave my breakdown of the ruling. I certainly was not the only one. There has been a flurry of commentary around the decision. But in a matter of just a few days, I have found it. I have found the single worst reaction to the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs to overrule Roe v. Wade, brought to you by CNN's Anna Navarro.
1: I am not anybody to tell you what you need to do with your life or with your uterus. And because I have a family with a lot of special needs kids, I have a brother who's 57 and has the mental and motor skills of a one-year-old and i know what that means financially emotionally physically for a family and i know not all families can do it and i have a step-granddaughter who was born with down syndrome and you know what it is very difficult in florida to get services it is not as easy as it sounds on paper and i've got another another step-grandson who is uh, very autistic, who has autism, and it is incredible, and, and their mothers and, and people who are in that society, who are in that community, will tell you that they've considered suicide because that's how difficult it is to get help, because that's how lonely they feel, because they can't get other jobs, because they have financial issues, because the care that they're able to give their other children suffers.
0: The Supreme Court's ruling is bad, you see, according to Anna Navarro because now it won't be as easy to kill people with mental disabilities. And she's not even speaking in the abstract. She's speaking of her own family. She's saying, you know, I have this brother who's got mental disabilities. I have uh, step grandchildren with mental disabilities and and they're alive. And that's horrible. It's so annoying that they're alive. If they were dead, our lives would be so much better. That's what she's saying. Congratulations, Anna. You managed to beat out Joe Biden and AOC, and a whole host of other contenders whose opinions were also ignorant and evil, but not quite so obviously so. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment on Friday is from Ryu, who says, I hate to take a page out of the left's playbook, but this is a wonderful first step We have a long way to go. I'd love to take a page out of the left's playbook, not on the substance of what they want, obviously, but in terms of procedure, those guys are pretty clever. You know, they've figured out political tactics pretty well, and they were extremely successful for, I don't know, the last 60 years or so. So yeah, let's take that page out, baby. The Roe v. Wade decision, or rather the Dobbs decision to overrule Roe v. Wade, wonderful, excellent, really the most wonderful political event of my lifetime. Most of all, a good first step. That Anna Navarro reaction is so hideous. It's, so, it, it's one of the worst things I've ever heard in political commentary. Not just that we should, we should kill certain people, but we should kill extremely vulnerable people. Not just that we should kill extremely vulnerable people, we should kill extremely vulnerable members of our own family because sometimes they might seem a little inconvenient to us. Her opinion is not an outlier. It's not unique. The left has been talking about this for years. They just usually have the sense to speak a little more euphemistically than Anna Navarro is. Fortunately, because she's not as intelligent as the rest of the left, she says the quiet part out loud. But Iceland was bragging about this a few years ago. There was a big headline out of Iceland. Breaking Iceland eradicates Down syndrome. There's no cure to Down syndrome. They didn't eradicate it in the sense of curing people who have it. They just now kill every single person just about who has Down syndrome in Iceland, so they can say it's eradicated. It's eradicated because you're committing genocide. <laughs> that, right? That's that's the eradication, not something exactly that you should be proud of. And you see it, of course, you see it when you go into a doctor's office, when a woman becomes pregnant and you go see the obstetrician, you will be asked if you want to have certain genetic tests. And you say, well, why would we have these tests done? They say, well, look, the tests are done uh, so that you can find out any abnormalities. If anything might be wrong, you're gonna test for Down syndrome. And then we can figure out how to proceed. What what are we gonna figure out? Oh, you know, then we'll just kind of make a decision on how you, what decision you want to, oh, you're asking me if I wanna kill my kid because he's retarded. That's what you're saying. You're saying, we're gonna do a test, and we're gonna find out if the kid is retarded, and then we're gonna suggest that you kill him. And you know the craziest part is it's, it's more politically incorrect, it is more socially unacceptable to say the word retarded than it is to kill a retarded person. Killing a retarded person, totally fine, totally encouraged, promoted. They're whining on CNN because you're not allowed to do it. But you can't say the word. Don't, you, no, you, you have to watch your language while you're killing people. Does that make a lot of sense? I don't think so. Joe Biden is saying practically the same thing, not with regard to people who have mental disabilities, but with regard to the poor. He tweeted out, quote, the cruel truth is that overturning Roe will hit poor women and girls the hardest. That's the cruel truth. What is cruel about that? Oh, you're saying it is cruel that now we won't be able to kill the poor. Poor women, women who don't have a lot of money, now will find it a little bit more difficult in certain states to kill their children. And this is really cruel and terrible because now we're going to have more poor people and we're going to have to deal with them. And isn't that, isn't that annoying? Can't, I mean, this is Jonathan Swift level stuff. This is eat the Irish babies because we don't want them around kind of stuff. It's not coming even from some lunatic on CNN. That's coming from the president of the United States. The takes on, on the Roe overruling have been, from the left, have been almost uniformly evil. But when they're not evil, they are extremely stupid. And this is where we, we have to turn to AOC. AOC says that the Supreme Court <laughs> sending the issue of abortion back to the states and the people and the people's representatives represents a crisis of democracy.
2: What I believe that the president and the Democratic Party needs to come to terms with is that this is not just a crisis of Roe, this -hmm. is a crisis of our democracy. The Supreme Court has dramatically overreached its authority. We had two conservative senators in the United States Senate, Senator Manchin yeah. and Senator Collins, come out with a very explosive allegation that these that several Supreme Court justices misled them in their, during their confirmation hearings and in the lead up to their confirmation. This is a crisis of legitimacy. We have a Supreme Court yeah. justice whose wife participated in January 6th and who used his seat to vote against providing documents that pretend led uh, to evidence of such to con- to investigators right. in Congress. This is a crisis of legitimacy and President Biden must address that.
0: Absolute crisis of legitimacy, crisis of democracy. What's the crisis? What's the crisis? AOC at the end there, you hear she's going after Clarence Thomas and his wife Ginny, which the Libs have been doing for decades because Ginny is a conservative political activist. And so they find, and they've been going after Clarence Thomas since before he was confirmed. The larger claim that they're making here is that the the conservative justices misled people, and this therefore creates a, a great crisis for our democracy. The Dobbs decision is very possibly the most pro-democracy decision that we have ever had in the history of the court. The Dobbs decision represents one branch of government, the judiciary, giving away an issue, sending an issue back to where it had existed for all of American history until 1973, namely to the legislatures, to the democracy. It's a crisis of democracy. How is it a crisis of democracy when the people get more of a say on an, on a political issue? That, of course, is not a crisis of democracy. That, that's an expansion of democracy. But it just reminds you that when the libs talk about democracy, they don't really mean democracy. This is how it can be the case that when more people vote for Donald Trump than vote for Hillary Clinton in the states where it matters, where the electoral college plays a role also in this election, where the where the democratic process favors Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton, that's a crisis of democracy. How? He won the people. Yeah, but but we didn't get the outcome we wanted. When more people in Hungary vote for the right-wing candidate, Viktor Orban, than vote for the left-wing candidate, that's a crisis of democracy. Democracy is in peril. How's that? That's, not, that's just manifestly absurd. Well, it's the case because when they say democracy, they don't mean democracy. They mean liberalism. They mean leftism. They mean progressivism. They mean whatever policy agenda they want. They can't lose legitimately. So whenever they do lose, it has to be a crisis of legitimacy. Because for the progressive left, progress is clear. They're on the right side of history. The arc of history bends toward AOC or whatever. And so when Whenever anything interrupts that, that march toward utopia, that march inevitably toward progress, then it has to be, it has to be a stolen election. It has to be the Russians interfering. It has to be uh, hanging chads in Florida. It has to be, it has to be anything other than what it obviously is in this case and, and beyond, which is that the people don't exactly like what the libs are doing. We've got to protect our country. We've got to protect our homes. That's why you got to check out Ring. Right now, go to ring.com slash Knowles. It's summer, and people are traveling. You know, I've been on the road for the past week. I was in L.A., Santa Barbara. I was in Chicago. I was all over the place, okay? And when I'm on the road, I can feel safe because of Ring. You know, you know Ring. You're going to say, Ring, the video doorbell company? Yes, they have an amazing video doorbell where you can see and speak to whoever's at your door, wherever you are, in the house, outside the house, wherever. You know they've got an alarm. So they've got Ring Alarm that protects your doors and your windows and your whole physical home from freeze, fire, flood, and the bad guys. Now you got to go pro. Be like me, okay? Become a pro. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security. It is this amazing, award-winning alarm that protects not just your physical home, but your digital home too. It protects everything. Whether you're in the home, whether you're away from the home, you're just going to feel safe the cost is unbelievably low compared to the other guys. You may not have known it, but it is true. Ring has that award-winning alarm this busy summer season. To protect all of our homes, you got to go pro with Ring Alarm Pro. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, ring.com slash AOC claims that the justices misled the Senate. She, she goes even further. She says the justices lied.
2: If we allow supreme court nominees to lie under under oath and secure lifetime appointments to the highest court of the land and then issue issue without basis if you read these opinions issue without basis rulings that deeply undermine the human and civil rights of of the of the majority of americans we must see that through there must be consequences for such a deeply destabilizing action and hostile takeover of our democratic institutions. To allow that to stand is to allow it to happen. And what makes it particularly dangerous is that it sends a blaring uh, signal to all future nominees Mm -hmm. that they can now lie to duly elected members of the United States Senate in order to secure Supreme Court uh, uh, confirmations and, and, and seats on the Supreme Court.
0: There is so much that is funny in that babble that she just spewed out there. She says, to allow that to stand is to allow that to happen. And if and you can tell she's just ripped. If 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 you read the decision and in the and to say the things in the decision that frankly without basis. Note she doesn't cite any examples, of course, because. I highly doubt she has even read the decision because it's over 200 pages and there aren't pictures. <laughs> you know, It's not a coloring book, so she hasn't, hasn't probably made it through. We went through the decision on Friday when I did my bonus show because it's an extraordinarily interesting opinion. You've got the opinion of the court, which is they're going to uphold the pro-life law and they're going to overrule Roe versus Wade and Casey. And they say that this, the constitution doesn't say anything about an abortion. And so it goes back to the states. You've got the Roberts concurring opinion, which says we're going to uphold the pro-life law, but we're not. I, I wish we weren't going to overrule Rowan Casey. You've got Kavanaugh who says we're going to uphold the pro-life law. We're going to overrule Roe and Casey. We are not going to make any decisions about abortion. So Kavanaugh is agreeing entirely with the, the opinion of the court, but he's going even Further to AOC's point, she says that this represents a takeover of our democratic institutions. Kevin Kavanaugh says exactly the opposite. He says, no, 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 we are expanding democracy here. We are not taking anything. We are giving away a power that the court illegitimately usurped in 1973 to make a decision on abortion. We have no decision on abortion. We are we are only sending this back to the people and the people's representatives. And then you had Justice Thomas's con- concurrence, which was the best part of the entire opinion as far as I'm concerned, at least in terms of its legal logic, which pointed out that actually, although the court is, is trying to make a big point of how uh, the, the reasoning in this case is not going to threaten Cases like Griswold, cases like Lawrence v. Texas, cases like Obergefell, cases on condoms, on gay sex, on gay marriage, on all of these rights that were discovered somewhere in the Constitution. Who knew there was a right to condoms in the Constitution? Probably not, probably not uh, James Madison, probably not the founding fathers and the framers. Uh, Thomas goes even further. He says, actually, we should revisit these questions. Even if we want to have condoms and gay sex and redefine marriage, And you, you might want to do all of those things. That's, that's neither here nor there. We just want to point out, it's not in the Constitution. It's not there. No one seriously believes that this radical definition of marriage that hasn't existed beyond five minutes ago, that that was present in the Constitution in the 1780s and 90s. We just know it's not there. Show me the invisible ink. I haven't been able to see it yet. So she makes that, this is a little bit of a digression. She makes all these points. If you read the liberal dissent, there's really no argument there. The liberal dissent, the the nearest thing to a legal argument is that is that because of stare decisis, because of the principle that that rulings and precedents should just persist even if they weren't argued all that all that convincingly, that was pretty much it. And the the second part of the dissent is that if you get rid of of Roe v. Wade, you're going to get rid of all these other things that liberals like. But They didn't really make arguments from the Constitution. They didn't really make any argument that Roe was rightly decided because no one thinks Roe was rightly decided. Frankly, Ruth Bader Ginsburg thought that the the logic of the Roe versus Wade decision was ridiculous. She liked the outcome of the decision, but she didn't didn't agree with the legal argument. So AOC babbling, babbling, babbling. And then there's the cherry on top, which is, she says, that the justices lied. You're going to hear this so much from the left over the next few days. Barrett. And Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and Alito, they lied before Congress, before the Senate when they were being confirmed. Why? Because they said that Roe was precedent, that Roe was settled law. Here's the, here is exactly what the justices said. Alito, Roe v. Wade is an important precedent of the Supreme Court. Gorsuch, that's the law of the land. I accept the law of the land. Kavanaugh, it's settled as a precedent of the Supreme Court. Barrett. Roe v. Wade clearly held that the Constitution protected a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy. AOC says those are lies because they voted to overrule it. Not a single word there is a lie. Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, they didn't say anything that that wasn't true. Roe v. Wade was an important precedent met by the Supreme Court. Roe v. Wade was the law of the land. Roe v. Wade did clearly hold that a woman has a right to an abortion. That was all true then. That is not true now. And it's not true because now we've got a new precedent. And I cannot wait for the next, well, I can wait. I want to wait a long time for the next liberal Supreme Court justice. But once the next liberal Supreme Court justice is selected and goes through the confirmation process, I cannot wait for the Republicans to grill that justice. Say, all right, Justice so-and-so, Justice Ocasio-Cortez. All right, all right, uh, potential future Judge Ocasio-Cortez. Do you accept that Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization is the law of the land? And just wait to hear what they say. Because probably what what the liberal judge is going to have to do is the exact sort of verbal tricks that the conservative justices did. It's not even really a trick. They're saying, yes, this is precedent. Everyone knows what that means. But now but now we've got a new precedent. Now we've got a new law of the land and it happens to be the correct one. So once AOC makes these claims, it's not just her, it's Biden, it's all these people are really really furious over the Dobbs decision. The Democrats in Congress decided to take a break from investigating an insurrection, you know, January January 6th, the worst insurrection ever in history. They decided to take a break from that. To incite an insurrection, AOC comes out. She says this is illegitimate, and we need to get into the streets. Illegitimate! This decision. Illegitimate! This decision. Illegitimate!
3: Into the streets! 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 Into the streets!
0: Both of those phrases are calls to insurrection. <laughs> she's, she's saying illegitimate. She's saying the government is illegitimate. If that is not a pretext for an insurrection, I don't know what is. And then she says, into the streets. If you had scripted this and said, hey, what is the pithiest way to call for an insurrection, since we're all talking about insurrections, and that's what you would say. Say the government is illegitimate, take to the streets. Now, I know AOC was supposed to be investigating this insurrection, but she took a little break, not just her. Maxine Waters, who's always known for her extremely dangerous rhetoric, she comes out and she says, we need to defy the court.
3: You see this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies, no matter how they try and stop us. To hell with the Supreme Court we will defy them. Women will be in control of their bodies. And if they think black women are intimidated or afraid, they got another thought coming. Black women will be out in droves. We will be out by the thousands. We will be out by the millions. We're going to make sure we fight for the right to control our own bodies. Thank you.
0: To hell with the Supreme Court, we will defy them. That's what Maxine Waters is saying. On January 6th, the worst day in history, there were activists who said, they didn't even say the hell with Congress, we will defy them. They said, we are going to uh, challenge the, the electoral count because of the weird way in which this election was conducted. And then, you know, and then obviously some people got excited and they w- went into the Capitol. And some of them broke in and some of them were let in by the police. And some were just followed in and it was uh, it was a strange situation. Maxine Waters is going further than those people did. Maxine Waters is saying we will defy a co-equal branch of government. To hell with the co-equal branch of government. It's not legitimate. We're going to go. We're going to defy them. We're going to take to the streets. Sounds sort of like an insurrection to me. June has been one of the biggest months in the history of our country, one of the best months in the history of our country. Best pride month ever, by the way. It's also been one of the biggest months in Daily Wire history, and we still have a week to go. We had What is a Woman? Matt's documentary. It's got a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes, over 5,000 ratings. We had uh, the book, the follow-up book, What is a Woman? National bestseller. We had the premiere of our blockbuster movie of the summer, Terror on the Prairie, starring Gina Carano. And now, this week, on Wednesday, June 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be backstage. We will be Backstage Live at the Ryman, you will see your favorite Daily Wire host and the other ones too. You'll you'll see me, I'll be there, and then all the other guys like you've never seen us before, taking on the cultural and political topics of the day. Describing what Backstage Live is like does not do it justice. Take a look. Welcome to
3: the Daily Wire Backstage Live at the famous Ryman Auditorium. It was- Amazing. We were in the presence of greatness. The energy of having everyone on the same page was amazing. If your family member is still waiting for Fauci to give them permission to leave their house, just, it might be time to cut that
0: off. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually pretty excited to meet all of them. I love everybody's opinion individually. I don't have a
1: favorite, I like them all. I had found out a way to make football players cry in high school. My high
0: school experience would be <laughs> lot. Better.
2: I'm just excited to be here and be surrounded by like-minded people and to just, you know, feel that energy.
0: Who should we remove from office? Yeah, if you One want, politician, you the most powerful politician in the country. Dr. Fauci! <laughs> Dr. Fauci <laughs> yeah, what are you talking
3: about? We're doing culture here. I'm so thrilled to see this happening. If they say to half of the country, you can't, that half of the country needs to say, screw you, we will.
0: Backstage Live happens right here in Nashville on June 29th. Get your tickets now. Tune into Backstage Live at the Ryman this Wednesday, June 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Become a Daily Wire member by going to dailywire.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles for 25% off your membership. That is dailywire.com slash Knowles. We'll be right back with a lot more. The takes on the Dobbs decision have been mostly terrible. Cer- certainly from the left, they've been terrible. From the right, they've been generally good. Though a, a little bit of a mixed bag, though. A little bit of a mixed bag, depending on how you define right and left. It's not just the far left liberals who are, who are rending their garments and gnashing their teeth. Barstool Sports, the Stool Presidente, uh, Dave Portnoy, after the decision came down, he took to social media to lambast the judges for overruling Roe v. Wade.
3: Okay, emergency press conference, uh, Roe v. Wade just got overturned. Let me start by saying this is a Dave Portnoy press conference. This doesn't reflect Barcelona, all right? Barcelona is 300 whatever people. They all may think certain ways. This is just me, how I feel. I feel like I have to speak on this issue. I already talked about it a little bit. To me, this is just pure insanity. Pure insanity. We are going backwards in time. We are literally going backwards in time. It it makes no sense how anybody thinks it's their right to tell a woman what to do with her body. I just don't get it. To take away the ability to make informed decisions on how they want to live their lives is bananas. I honestly believe 95% of the people in the country think like me. They're like, they're liberally, they're, they're socially liberal and they're financially conservative. They like 90% of what Republicans, they don't like the woke culture, all this craziness. But then you look at what they're doing, and it's like you're taking away basic rights. What's next? Same-sex marriage? Like, what is next? It's insane.
0: So obviously, Dave Portnoy has absolutely no idea what he's talking about here. I don't mean to dunk on the guy or totally own him with facts and logic or anything like that. But he is just completely wrong on the facts. He's even wrong on his political factor. He said, I believe that 95% of the country thinks like me. They're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. That's just not true. <laughs> Nate Silver at 5:38, the, the pollster, took a poll of the country, tried to figure out how large the fiscally conservative, socially liberal demo is. It's about 15%. It's not 95%, it's 15%. It's one of the smallest electoral groups in the country. And A lot of people who are in fancy institutions and live in big cities and hang around and hobnob with rich fancy people. They, they would call themselves fiscally conservative, socially liberal, because they want to do whatever they want in their personal lives, but they don't want to pay a lot of taxes. They're just sort of like greedy Democrats. And I'm, I'm not even saying that to be really mean to them or anything, but the perception of how large that demo is, is so skewed when you run in these circles. It's a very, very small group. It's an important group because they can swing elections. 15% is not nothing, but it's, it's not the dominant group in the country, far from it. So- Dave Portnoy says, look, I'm fiscally conservative, socially liberal, and I can't believe that the Supreme Court would would make this kind of ruling. He he later tweeted out, he said, come on, this is crazy. The Constitution's so old. Don't you think it's kind of outdated? Do you think the founding fathers and the framers would, would really want us to still be operating under this old, dusty Constitution? That's crazy. Now, Dave's wrong about that because he doesn't appear to understand the meaning of the word Constitution the Constitution is not just some law. It's not just some statute or something. It is the Constitution. It's the fundamental framework of the country. Yes, the framers believed that the Constitution would last. You you had one line from Thomas Jefferson in one of his extreme radical flights of fancy, where he said, we need a revolution every 15 years or something to that effect. But beyond that one little pithy quote that people sometimes bring up, No, of course, the framers of the Constitution, the founding fathers, believed that this would endure and you could amend it and you could pass laws and the country obviously can change, but the Constitution has to endure. That's why it's the Constitution. And from the perspective of the Constitution, there is no question the Dobbs ruling was the constitutional ruling. Even the honest liberals will admit it, even though they really like abortion. So then you send it back to the people and you send it back to the states and they can make their own decisions. The, the Portnoy video is important because it reminds us that barstool conservatism is not conservatism. It's, it's important. I, I also don't want to just write it off and say these guys, you know, should go, should go vote for the left. They probably will go vote for the left. Portnoy in that video says, I'm going to have to vote for Democrats now. And okay, that's too bad. I hope he doesn't vote for Democrats. But if, if we're going to lose him on an issue like this, then we're going to lose him. Uh, no, I'm not willing to kill a million babies a year to win Dave Portnoy's vote. And I'm not willing to kill a million babies a year to win 15% of the electorate. And no, I'm not willing to Beyond the issue of life, I'm not willing to completely subvert the Constitution and the judiciary and our system of government to mollify a group of sort of young, decadent people who want to go out and have fun, but not fund the welfare state. It's not, that's not going to happen. That's not a good, it's not the right thing to do. And it's politically a losing, it's a, a losing move. We need a, a big coalition. It, the traditionalists, the real conservatives, the socially conservative, that's not large enough to win every single election in every single place. So we need coalitions. But the lines have to be clear here, folks. Uh, you know, what, At a certain point, if, if you have a tent that's too big, it's, you're going to blur all of your lines. You're not going to have a political movement at all. So we need highly precise, tactical coalitions of political convenience. But let's not, let's not pretend that we all think the same thing here we don't and 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 let's also by the way not give away all of our leverage to mollify an extremely small group of voters we we cannot allow us this is something the conservative movement did for decades and it was a huge mistake and we lost as a result of it we cannot allow a the minority party of the political coalition to call all of the shots which is what happened with the fiscal conservative social liberal people for decades because when you've got a coalition of socially conservative, fiscally conservative people, and fiscally conservative, socially liberal people, whatever, you know, the, the kind of guys who want to just go out and party and not pay a lot of taxes. When you come together in a political coalition, very often all that means is you just do whatever the social liberals want to do. Public liberalism, private conservatism, which is to say you concede your conservative beliefs. We can't do that. We, look, we have a common enemy, the wokeness, the craziness, the radical left yes that's true let's work together let's fight that common foe but let's not pretend we're all the same thing here we got to we got to fight that foe take down that foe but but no we're not we're not going to give up life we're not going to give up the constitution we're not going to give up the judiciary because a very small group of people wants to have promiscuous sex all the time <laughs> it's it's not going to happen it's not worth it okay speaking of polls usa today has a really great poll out here And it's a poll actually that backs up what the social conservatives and the constitutionalists are saying. And it undercuts the argument that Dave and some of the more socially liberal types are making. Dave's argument is, gosh, you know, there are all these voters who want to vote for Republicans, but then you go out and you defend life and you defend the constitution. And all of a sudden people get really, really angry about it and they're going to vote for Dems. That's not what the polls show. According to the polls, Abortion is not the top issue for almost anybody. USA Today's Suffolk University poll came out on Friday, on Dobbs Day, showed that just under 15%, there's that number again, just under 15% of likely voters viewed abortion as the most important election issue heading into the midterms. Now, the majority of respondents say that abortion is an important issue. Sure, we think about abortion. But it's not the top issue. It's only 15%. Do you know what the top issue is for people? The economy. Only 23% of voters say that abortion is more important than the economy. That's 23%. That includes the (laughs) pro-lifers. So it's between the pro-lifers and the radical abortion activists. Still, only 23% of the electorate thinks that abortion is more important than the economy. 66% 66% said that the economy is the most important issue for their vote. The economy is in the doldrums, and it's all Joe Biden's fault. And everyone knows that it's Joe Biden's fault. And he's trying to blame it on Putin, and he's trying to blame it on global warming, and he's trying to blame it on whatever. And it's, it's not, that's not persuasive. Some, there are some squishes we were saying, oh, why did this ruling have to come out? Sure, it's going to save hundreds of thousands of babies a year. Sure, it restores integrity to our judicial system, but now we might lose the midterms. There is no evidence that this will hurt us in the midterms. Even if it won, there, actually, there was a poll that came out some months ago that showed that the abortion issue did increase motivation among Democrats, but it increased motivation among Republicans even more. So as, as a net the Republicans win on the pro-life issue. But then it doesn't even matter so much because abortion isn't the top issue. This is uniformly a win. This is uniformly a win. It's the greatest political event of my lifetime. Why did it happen? I've been, I have been scratching my head a little bit. Why now? that Roe v. Wade comes down in 1973. Then in 1992, the court has the chance to overrule it. Everyone knew that the the decision was nonsense. Actually, the case that ended up upholding the quote unquote right to an abortion even admitted that the Roe decision was was silly, that the the opinion in Roe was was poorly argued. That was Planned Parenthood v. Casey. But in 92, you had these squish conservative quote unquote judges who voted to uphold the quote unquote right to an abortion, which never existed in the Constitution. And now the the court acknowledges that it does not exist there. So why now? What changed? I think part of it is that the Democrats changed their rhetoric. They went from safe, legal, and rare to shout your abortion, abortion on demand without apology. People might be able to get behind safe, legal, and rare. I suspect Dave Portnoy and the rest of people who are just kind of, you know, they don't pay a ton of attention to politics. They, they're, they're a swing vote. They're kind of swayed more easily between one side or the other. I bet they could get behind safe, legal, and rare. Moderate Republicans can get behind safe, legal, and rare very often. Shout your abortion on demand for that apology. Even some center leftists don't like that. Anna Navarro going on TV saying, listen, we need legal abortion because I have a retarded brother and we should have killed him. And I've got these two step, step grandchildren and man, they should be dead. I'm really sad that they're alive. It's annoying. They're, they're expensive and annoying because they're retarded. That's what she's saying. Or they have some other mental disability or they have, or they're just, or I don't know, they just bugged me when they came over to the house on Saturday. We should kill them. I think ordinary people are looking at that and they're saying, oh my, what you monster, you psycho, what? No, whatever, man, whatever you're, whatever side you're on, I'm on the other side of that. So I think that turned people off. But, but why did the libs even change their rhetoric? If safe, legal, and rare was working, why did they change it to shout your abortion on demand without apology? They did it because I think of the logic of, of abortion. If, if abortion is murder, then it shouldn't be legal. If abortion is not murder, if it's just like getting your appendix taken out, then there's no reason it should be rare. Safe, legal, and rare never made any sense, and it collapsed under the weight of its own incoherence. Same with the, the issue in in the womb. Same with the, the physical manifestation of the issue. As sonograms advance, you can just see it's a baby. It's a baby. It's human. It's living. It's a baby. And I think people see that. That, that has really helped the pro-life issue. You might say it's an idea whose time has come. Finally. It took a long time, but it, it's, it's come. And for those of you who look out at the world and see symbolism, I, I meant to get to this on Friday, and I, I didn't get to. There were some weird coincidences on Friday, on the day the Dobbs decision came out. Uh, for those of you who are Catholic in the audience, you will know that that uh, Friday was the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This is a very, very is high, the highest level feast you can have in the year and it was the, the solemnity of Jesus's sacred heart. It also coincidentally was the feast of the nativity of St. John the Baptist. And you will recall that at the visitation, the one of the biblical arguments against abortion and for the sanctity of life is that when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, Mary is pregnant with Jesus and Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. When Mary approaches with Jesus inside of her, John the Baptist leaps in in Elizabeth's womb, sensing the arrival of his Lord and Savior, Jesus. So that symbolism was quite a lot for me. And then I, I was reading CNN. Why? I don't know. And I see this headline. This is, this is from June 23rd, the night before the Roe decision, 7, 7.48 PM Eastern Standard Time. Five planets take center stage as they align in the night sky Bear with me here. First line: A rare five-planet alignment will peak on June twenty-fourth, on Dobbs day, allowing a spectacular viewing of Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn as they line up in planetary order. I'm just point. I don't want to sound hippy dippy here, folks, but there is such a thing as providence. It's an evil generation that seeks for signs and wonders, but to quote my and priest, Father George Rutler. It's a stupid generation that ignores signs and wonders. And as far as I can tell the signs of the times, uh, the protection of life, the beginning of the protection of life, the, the uh, overruling of the worst Supreme Court decision in our history is an idea whose time has come. Now, the, the Roe decision was always illogical. Speaking of illogic, I have to turn to our vice president who uh, was recently babbling incoherently about the strength of our nation.
1: The strength of our nation has always been that despite the odds and the obstacles, we push to move forward. That we are guided by what we see that can be Unburdened by what has been.
0: And we can see, man, we can see that I am me and you are you, and we too can come together and do, and do for our nation what would cause a celebration. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. Are you with me? Kamala Harris is the you want to talk about ideas whose times have come. You want to talk about the the logic of certain ideas. Kamala Harris is the consequence of 40 years of liber, liberal bourgeois women reading self-help books because what what she was trying to do was sound inspiring. And she she did that by just reciting empty platitudes. I think she was trying to do an Obama impression, but Obama was a somewhat skilled rhetorician and so he would say, meaningless statements as well. But they sounded a little better when he he was a little more adept at it. She is not very adept at it. And so it just sounds like nothing. It's just totally hollow. And and it, it ties back into Dobbs. It ties back into Dobbs. If you read the, the court's opinion in Dobbs, the logic is crystal clear. Anyone could read it. It's a very learned opinion with many, many pages of citations. And it, it's a very high level legal document. But I bet you a 10-year-old could read that document because the logic is so crystal clear. The argument is so crystal clear. And then you read the dissent, and then you listen to AOC, and then you listen to Biden, and then you listen to Maxine Waters, and then you listen to all of these people, and you can't really follow it. And it's all contradictory. A woman has certain rights, and we actually don't even know what women are. and, And abortion is... Uh, just a matter it's a personal decision for a woman and unless she wants the baby in which case then the baby is a baby but the baby's not a baby and it's it's in the Constitution somewhere uh, but we haven't seen exactly where and so that the logic was just totally uh, non-existent it just wasn't there and so at, at a certain point I, I I do think people wake up to that kind of thing. In a certain, no matter how thick the rhetoric, how uh, how intense the emotional manipulation can be, I think that's what comes out. We've just gotten an, an update, another update from the Supreme Court. This is the greatest, man. This is the greatest Pride Month ever. I, I actually want Pride Month to continue. I thought I wanted Pride Month to end, but I I now I want it to continue to keep getting these rulings. So we we've just gotten rulings. Uh, within the last few weeks, defending the Second Amendment, defending the right to keep and bear arms in New York. We've gotten rulings in favor of religious liberty, the religious liberty of, of parents to send their kids to Christian schools, not to have those schools discriminated against. We obviously had the Dobbs decision, which is the most important decision in, in the history of the Supreme Court. Now, Now we've just gotten word, I haven't read anything about it, I just got a few words typed in to my screen up there, that the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of Coach Kennedy this was a Supreme Court case about the right of a high school football coach to have a private prayer after the game. So, this is a, a football coach who, after his football games, whether he won or lost, he would get down on his knees on the field and just have a little prayer by himself. He wasn't making other people pray with him. And he, he was fired for this. He was, he was threatened, he was intimidated, he was bullied. And so, he, he brings this case. Two court goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. There was an irony of, from the very beginning of it, which is that f- for the last seven years or so, the left in this country has celebrated kneeling at football games, but they only want you to kneel if you're kneeling to protest the American flag. But if you have the temerity to kneel, to give thanks to God, uh, that's not allowed. So they, they brought this case and the Supreme Court, I don't have the numbers, I don't have the vote, I don't have the opinion. But we do know that the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of, of Coach Kennedy. This is the man, this is the greatest Supreme Court term. This is such a this is such a white pill. <laughs> this is to talk like a kid on the internet, you know, this is It's so easy to feel that it's all lost and it's hopeless, especially after two years of of COVID and the lockdowns and the Fauci's of the world. And the international institutions and the bureaucracies just taking away all of our political rights and taking away not just our rights and our liberties, but our traditional way of life. And it just seems like everything is slipping away. And we don't we're not even allowed to wave the American flag anymore. We're going to replace all the American flags with rainbows, and we're going to protest the American flag where we see it. And we're going to knock down our statues and we're going to lose our guns and we're going to lose our free speech. And we're going to just we're just we're going to lose our representative democracy and we're just going to lose everything. And then and then, it's even for me, I'm a pretty chipper guy. I, I was, I was losing hope, politically, and, and now I'm not. Now I'm not. So they're they're just giving me the numbers here. Uh, Gorsuch wrote the opinion. It was a six three decision. Here's what here's what Gorsuch's Gorsuch's majority opinion says. Uh, Coach Kennedy's private religious exercise did not come close. To crossing any line, one might imagine separating protected private expression from impermissible government coercion. Of course, and of course, we all knew it. We all—if you knew anything about this case, if you had even heard the top line description—you would know. Of of course, it's not illegal. It, illegal to have a private prayer and thank God after a football game. But we just. Had, it seemed like the country was so far gone. We were so past that. The, the only book you can't teach in schools is the Bible, all right? <laughs> our, our, it would, you, you can teach gay porn in, in elementary schools. You can trans the kids, but you can't read a passage of the Bible out to your class. We just thought we were so far gone, especially on these issues of religious liberty. And then you just get that hope, which, my friends, it's not just a nice, happy feeling, but it's a fact. It's a theological virtue, and it's a fact. And this is a very... Very good month. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, the Andrew Clavin Show and the Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vidovsky, editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico, associate producer Justine Turley, audio mixer Mike Coramina, and hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, rage and tears abound as Roe is overturned. Democrats try to jazz up their 2022 base but have no actual plan. And we
1: examine which party is truly extreme on abortion. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.